0: Welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Tonight we are talking about marriage marriage which is awesome because I look across the room and I think here's a whole bunch of people that are journeying towards a trajectory of marriage. And so uh, I tell you, if I can maybe just give you one or two things that you'll take from tonight and maybe apply them sometime down the track, I've done my job. And so come on, but let me just first intro the series because some of you might not have been here in the last weeks leading up. So this is the, this is the intro to the series. Come on, you are created for a relationship. That is the design of God. He said when he, when he said, when he made you and when He made me, He said, You know what? I'm creating this person, these people, for relationship. Okay, so I'm making you a relational. That is the design and the, and, the, and the desire of God that we might be connected. Right? And so the, to be known, loved, and accepted is the greatest need of humanity. It's the greatest need. You're created to live in deep connection and community with God and with people. That's why solitary confinement such a mean and terrible punishment because it puts you in a place completely disconnected and isolated, which is, which is not nice because you're designed and built for connection. In Genesis, we see this. In Genesis 2 and through the first few chapters of Genesis, we see God walking amongst His creation. In the cool of the day, it says, looking for Adam and Eve to commune and connect with them. I don't know about you, but that's amazing that God just would be walking around saying, hey, let's go hang. Let's go, let's go check out the giraffes, man, like just hanging with you. And I think that's pretty awesome when we see Adam and Eve naked, starkers and completely unashamed, like nothing to hide. Like that's how we were wired for, for connection and, and not, not for shame. You're not wired to carry shame. However, it didn't last too long, you see, because sin Entered humanity. And when sin entered humanity, its death blow was to fracture relationships. You know, I, I think sin gets can get a bad rap and people don't want to talk about it because it might seem like we're talking about do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and red tape and don't listen to that kind of music and don't watch those kind of movies and read your, you know, kind of rules, right? And so like if you don't follow the rules and you've sinned and like I'm better than you because I don't sin and all that kind of nonsense. But let me tell you, that's not the reason that Jesus came to to, to pay the price for sin. He came to pay the price for sin because it broke relationship. And when God wants to steer you away from sin, He wants to steer you from the thing that's going to take relationship and break relationship. That's why it matters to God. Because of your heart. That's why it matters to God. And so ever since then, there's been a war against the rhythm of relationship. There's been a war against it. A counter plan to destroy it, distort it, twist it, damage it. But there's these two words which I love in the Bible. But God. I love those words. But God. And you'll find... In Ephesians 2, we were enmity of God, you know, objects of wrath. But God, but God, you know, aren't you glad? But God sent His Son, sent Jesus, on a mission to win us back, to restore relationship of humanity back to God. You see, the cross is a bridge between humanity and heaven. And Jesus hung, suspended between earth and heaven as a symbol of of His willingness and His ability to reconnect us back into the relationship that we were made for. And see, Jesus restored it then and there on the cross. And, and, And those who were separated from God by sin now have a pathway back into relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a great place to say Amen. Come on. You can talk to me. It's all good. I love it when you guys whoop holler, amen, preach. <laughs> Jesus, come on, Jesus had a mission. Jesus had an objective. Jesus had a goal. You could even say that He had hashtag relationship goals. It's all right. Come on, because relationship is God's idea, God's plan and God's desire. <laughs> It's so His plan, and so now more than ever, we need to encourage each other back into life-giving rhythm of godly relationships, amen? So today, tonight we're talking, in the few moments we've got left together, I just wanna talk about the relationship of marriage. You know, marriage is, as we know it, changing, under, under a bit of fire, a bit of attack, and uh, maybe not under attack, People might not say that, but it's changing and the definitions are changing. And so I want to pull us back, pull us back to God's intention and God's rhythm. And we're gonna pick up the story in Genesis two, verse seven. It says this. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. A couple of weeks ago I had the privilege of hearing Jürgen and Matesius from C3 San Diego a great church actually the largest C3 church currently in the world. there are over 500 C3 churches in 64 countries. God is on the move in this movement I love it and he said that when God breathed into man's nostrils it just goes to show the closeness of God. to breathe into your nostrils you have to get close. I just love that picture of God's closeness in that moment. You see, but man was formed from the dust. So I'm just saying, come on, ladies, don't have too high expectations on us. We're made from the dirt. I mean, come on, you know, like it's, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't know what, what we're doing, what we're saying. You know, it could be a little bit simple sometimes, but come on, Genesis, it goes on to say in Genesis 2, 15 to 25, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. Ashamed. Chapter 2 of the creation story. How awesome is that? So I don't know if we've got any Drake fans in the house, but come on. I want to tell you something that marriage was God's plan. God's plan. I'm doing that terribly. It's the only words I know, but come on. Marriage was God's plan. Marriage was God's plan because this is before the fall. We have not had sin into the world. This is pre-fall, and God called the man to work the field, work the land. We were called to subdue it. Men, men were called to work. That's 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 the call of God on the man's life. It's come on it's to work and subdue, and to cultivate and to harvest and to and to to, to take ground and to build up and and and, and um. Excuse me, lost my train of thought. And so, and also, he goes on to say that he goes on to say that uh, a man should leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife. And I find this interesting language because he's just created them and there's two of them. So, before sin enters the world and before creation and population takes off, God had a plan of marriage, of this coming together. And I wanna say there's a reason for it. And so tonight I wanna talk about two reasons why God created this beautiful thing, which we call marriage. This beautiful relationship between man and woman that God, that we call marriage. And so I've got two points tonight outside of the Drake singing, and that is covenant and oneness. Covenant and oneness. But before we jump into that, I just found this quite interesting and I, I just thought I'd bring this. This is a free point. All right. Genesis two twenty one says, "So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh." Isn't this interesting? You see, because God is completely intentional with everything He does. God could have taken any, He God could have formed woman in any way He wanted to form them, ladies. He could have created you in any way He He, he wanted to create you. He made us from dust. Right, so he could have chosen, he chose to use a rib from the man, which I find really interesting. And so I thought I'd just do a little bit of a look into ribs. And I had to say at that moment, I thought, hmm, Bex is made from ribs. Yes. 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 Any barbecue fans out there? I'm a fan <laughs> of the barbecue. But here, look, listen to me. This is the role of the rib, OK? OK. <laughs> The role of ribs apart from making, you know, okay, the rib cage, the rib cage has three important functions: protection, support, and respiration. It encloses and protects the heart and lungs. It provides a strong framework onto which the muscles of the shoulder, girdle, chest, upper abdomen and back can attach. And it is flexible and can expand and contract by the action of the muscles of respiration. And I just feel like God saying to charged husbands and husbands-to-be, your charge is to protect the heart of your wife, to create a support network that she can grow and flourish in, and to allow, and to be flexible to allow her to grow up to be all that God has called her to be, not to lord it over not to control, but to create an environment in which that beautiful woman will flourish and be all that God has called her to be. That's the charge on you men, husbands to be. And so there's a reason, I believe, why God designed it and did it that way. And I think that's beautiful. All right. Covenant. You with me? Yeah. Point number one, Covenant we've only got two tonight, so this is awesome. Genesis 2.24 is the scripture we're camping out on. And he says, and hold fast to his wife. Hold fast to his wife. I read this two weeks ago. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs explains it like this. This is contract versus covenant. Not even in the context of marriage, but just in the context of covenant versus contract. In a contract, two or more people come together, each pursuing their self-interest to make a mutually advantageous exchange. In a covenant, two or more people, each respecting the dignity and integrity of the other, come together in a bond of loyalty and trust to do together what neither can achieve alone. It isn't an exchange. It's a moral Commitment. It's more like a marriage than a commercial transaction. Contracts are about interests. Covenants are about identity. Contracts benefit. Covenants transform. Contracts are about me and you. Covenants are about us. You see, we serve a God who's a covenant keeping God, He's a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. The word covenant is mentioned 300 times in the Hebrew Bible. You better believe God's about promises and keeping those promises. You see, the word covenant means a coming together. A bond or to be bound together. That's what it means. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a you do your part and I've got a contract. I've got an employment agreement. I'm contracted to work for Carpet Court and I have some things I've got to keep up on my side and they've got some things that they have to keep up on their side. And if I don't keep up my side, they can break the contract. And if, I don't, if, if, if they don't keep up on their side, I can go. So that's the contract, right? But see, God's not in the contract business. He's in the covenant business. He's in the promise business. To be bound to one another and to hold fast to one another is what a marriage is, a promise of commitment to each other set by exchanging the vows publicly. I love, I don't know, do you guys love marriages? I love wedding ceremonies. I love going to them. Uh, It's such a beautiful thing. You see everyone's all dolled up, everyone's dressed up. It's such an awesome thing to see love celebrated and this commitment and and relationship celebrated. And uh, you see, here's what I think. Engagement kind of reminds me of that moment of salvation, the moment that we say yes to Jesus. You see, there's a moment where when you are proposing, I'd love to know the proposal stories in here. We've got, we've got a couple of married couples in the, in the house. And uh, there's this moment of nervousness where one or the other, often the dude, but whoever, gets on and knee or whatever and, and proposes. They propose to the other person. I want to marry you. Will you marry me? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? And then they wait for the, the yes or the no, right? You know. And uh, do you know something? That Jesus is on His knees saying, will you, will you, to every single one of us, will you, will you? Like He's just like, uh, the Revelation 3.20 says like this, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if anyone would open up the door to me and let me in, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. And you with me. this beautiful uh, picture of of, of relationship. As Mina said, the way to her heart is through food. Come on. It's a beautiful relationship of eating together. But Jesus is like on bended knee, like wanting you to say yes to Him. And I love that, that moment of engagement. But you see, marriage reminds me, because of the publicness of it, you see, you're declaring your love publicly. You know, before your family and your friends, you're saying, I'm committing myself. I'm making these vows to be through, you know, through through better or worse, good or bad, sickness and health. I am with you. I'm committed to you. And we do this publicly. And it kind of reminds me of baptism. You see, we say yes to Jesus. In, in that moment of salvation but we, when we do this public declaration of, of of acknowledging our life with His in the waters of baptism it's such a beautiful thing in front of your friends and your family and your church family I am associating my life with Jesus I am going to be baptized. I'm gonna associate with his death and associate with his life. And I love that about baptism, the public declaration. And I love the same thing about the marriage ceremony. It is a public declaration of your commitment to one another. And there's a reason. And that is that marriage reflects marriage is a reflection of God and the nature of God. As we said, God is a covenant. Keeping God. See, marriage is God's design to reflect God's nature. How else would we understand God's love and commitment to us? I think God's so clever that He interwines and interweaves these relationships into our world so that we can understand Him. Father, mother, son, daughter. How do we know? What it would mean to be a dad? What it would mean to be a mum? How would we understand the father heart of God if it wasn't, you know, you know what we do, let's, let's allow them to have their own children. Now they'll understand this love that we have for them. You know. Well, they'll understand. And so God interweaves relationship into humanity so that we can understand the nature of God. And you see, that is why there's a war. There's a war against relationship because it displays the nature of God. And so if the enemy's not to see, God glorified, He will break down the very thing that will bring glory to Him. He will break down the very thing that will help us see Him, help us know Him. And so the war is always against relationship. It's always against breaking up marriages. It's always against breaking down uh, relationships with mums and dads. And I, I know we've all got stories, I'm sure, of, of, of those those the breakdowns, you see, because the, the enemy wants to see anything that would help us connect to God disintegrated it's why it's so important that we we allow God to shine through these things Ephesians 5 25 and 27 says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish you see the church is often referred to as the bride of christ and when the second coming of jesus is described it's like he's coming for his bride i'm coming for my bride you see the covenant of marriage displays the nature And the character of God. It's designed to point to Him, reflect Him, display Him. No wonder there is such a war against marriage. A contract says, what do I get? A covenant says, what can I give? A contract says, I have to. A covenant says, I I want to. A contract says, I'll meet you halfway. A covenant says, I'll give you 100% of myself. The goal, listen to me, the goal of a covenant marriage is to glorify God in your relationship and to exemplify Christ to the world. So that people understand, when they see your commitment to one another, they can see God. They can see God. They can see God's nature, God's heart, represented. His commitment to us is what is on display in our commitment to one another. That is the beauty and the sanctity of marriage is called to reflect the covenant-keeping promise of God. And we do that here in our relationships. Second point is oneness, Genesis 2:24, and they shall become one flesh they'll become one flesh. Another attribute of God's, sorry, another attribute of God marriage reflects is oneness. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to get your head around the Trinity, God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that is a mind bender. And uh, I go cross-eyed trying to think about it. Uh, Some things are just a mystery, right? But God, one in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, and in perfect submission, to one another. Come on, covenant marriage is the coming together of two people, two lives, to become one. This is traditionally why uh, you'll find that you'll take the same name, uh, you'll move in together and make a home together. It's why we join together and share the marital bed and covenant. The word dod, which is one of the Hebrew translations for the word "love," means the mingling of souls, and this is the sort of love that is reserved for one person in covenant. Because when you when you go into that place, when you sex is the mingling of souls. If you read First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians seven, he'll say, "What have you got to do?" I think the word is prostitutes, but what have you got to do with it? Why would you allow? Why would you allow your soul to mingle? You see, so there's this, this powerful thing that we want to minimalize. We want to break it down like it doesn't matter, but it matters it absolutely matters and see God is calling us into covenant into that place of vulnerability to give all of yourself to one person under covenant it's a plan of God because you see it's all about oneness oneness you know Bex and I are really passionate about oneness and um, you know we want to fight for oneness we want to pursue oneness and so, you know, really practically speaking, if you don't mind me sharing, it's just challenging or just encouraging, is we're not a fan of separate bank accounts. You know, we're not a fan of, you know, separate bedrooms or prenuptial agreements and all these sorts of things. And the reason we're not a fan of it is because it's not fighting for oneness. And we don't, I don't mean that to, to, uh, to, to create a sense of judgment over there. but I just wanna encourage you, fight for oneness, fight for togetherness. This is the beautiful thing about marriage is that we get to reflect the character of God. That He is three. And you see, you don't lose your personality. You do not lose your identity in marriage. God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit have not lost who they are. They have distinct characters, traits and personality, yet they are perfectly united and, and synced together. And, and they're one. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I tell you, it's not easy in marriage. It takes some working, working through to figure out, but the idea is to pursue the ch- the ch- pursue the direction of oneness, to pursue the direction of oneness. Our, our encouragement is this, where there is two-ness, we want to encourage you towards oneness. And I say this as, as well, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and honestly, we're, we're super approachable, man. I'd like to think that if there's anything that you want to discuss or want to talk to us through you don't understand, come and, and let's have a conversation. But where there is oneness before covenant, where there's oneness before covenant marriage, we really want to encourage two-ness as we lead into marriage and into covenant and into oneness. That's, that's our encouragement to you. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And I know that sort of seems to swing against the tide of culture. But that's the rhythm of God. You see, He's not trying to take anything from your life. He's trying to give you something. And I'll say this, that I'm not standing up here saying that from some you know, place of you know, holier than thou. Bex and I ran from church. Bex and I cohabitated. Bex and I have had a checkered background. Bex and I have been, you know, I've been divorced. I've walked through a divorce and a marriage. So I'm not up here going, hey, you know, I'm Mr. Perfection. I'm not. But I'm telling you something. God wants to show Himself through our marriages. God wants to show Himself. And if we can just be the light to this world around us, because people need it. People need to see Him and we can reflect Him. And so we've we've worked and we're working towards trying to be the best reflection we can be in our marriage of God. And I'll tell you, I feel like it goes from strength to strength and just... God is so gracious and so good. And so the more one we are in our marriages, the more we'll reflect the nature of God. And that's the the truth. The goal of a covenant marriage is to glorify God in your relationship and and to exemplify Christ to the world through a commitment to covenant and a pursuit of oneness. And I'll say it one more time. The goal of a covenant marriage is to glorify God in your relationship and to exemplify Christ to the world through a commitment to covenant and a pursuit of oneness. So I'm going to pray in a second. And um, I realize for the, for the most part we have, uh, we don't have married couples in the room. And I understand that this might not feel like it has a whole lot of relevance to you. But I want to encourage you when you're moving through this, um, moving through singleness and dating you know, I want to encourage you to to really stir and to go to God and say, God, what does it look like? What is your plan? What is your rhythm for marriage? What am I looking for? What, what is, because I feel like it's just, if we leave it to what we, you know, just what we see, we can get away from the word of God. You know, and our charge as as, as pastors is to always be faithful to God's word. We don't know the bastions of truth. He is. He is. But we really want to be faithful to to God. Challenging each other and, and calling each other towards the life-giving rhythm of godly relationships. It's the heart of this church, and so, come on, why don't we just pray? And um, I don't know where you're at, but I know that God does. And um, you know, I want to believe that we can we can see a gener a, a generation of godly marriages rise up and be just be light in this world and uh, I know that for young adults what we need is great relationships to be great examples in our world uh, as Big said um, before we part of our hearts desires that we, that, that we would be able to be a good role model perfect people man obviously not very far from it we're human beings like you but it's just a goal that we might be able to encourage and we might be able to um, live in, you know, a life that's, that's worthy of following and um, so let, let's, let's pray I really believe that you know some of you might come from broken marriages you know your mums and dads and they might not be together and you might have uh that in your world as well and so I just really want to pray for marriages, pray over this church and pray over you if that's okay Father God we thank you we thank you Jesus for this time we have together God I thank you that your design is for us to live in relationships that reflect who you are that through our relationships the world might see you and know you God, You are the creator of relationships. It's Your design. It's Your desire. God, I thank You for the relationship of marriage. And I thank You for the promise that is made at the altar. God, I pray that You would help our married couples to thrive. I pray that they would fight for oneness. I pray that You would stir their hearts, that their marriages would reflect the glory of God and exemplify Jesus Christ to the world around them. Now more than ever, what we need is godly relationships. Father, I pray that You would stir the hearts of Your of your people, God, I pray right now for fam- for families that are that are broken and broken relationships, broken marriages. fixed my wife grew up in a broken family, God. We might not have had that example of, of a great marriage. Even now, there might be tension in families. God, I pray right now that you would speak to us and that you would be our guide. I pray for healing and restoration to the damage of relationships. I thank You that nothing is beyond Your restoration, God. I think there's nothing that You cannot mean that You cannot bring together. So God, we pray for these marriages. We pray for our mums and dads. We pray for this, the friends and family and those around us that we may know. We pray, God, that You would, that you would stir their hearts and, God, that You would redeem and You would restore. God, I thank you that you're a covenant keeping God. I thank you that your promises are yes and amen. I thank you that when you say, you, when you make a promise to us, a vow to us, you keep it. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. God, may this church be a place where marriage is celebrated, supported, championed. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time we've had together. I pray that you bless us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen, church. Awesome.